No love lost. An AFC North roundtable, week three officially in the books, and we've got I, I've got my Browns hat on. I'm feeling good, but I'm looking at two guys in polar opposite kind of moods right now. Davili is going crazy. He's got his Bengals shirt on, doing some kind of dance, and Jabez is laughing a little bit, but. I could see the pain in Jay Biz's eyes because he's wearing a Steelers hat. Steelers now looking like a, a troublesome team in the 2021 season. So, Davili, how's it feel? That, yeah, the Bengals beat the Steelers last year, but this one, that, that almost felt like a fluke. This mm-hmm. one really seems legitimate, and it seems like the, the tables are turning in the AFC North. It does. Um, Last year, you know, it was the Ryan Finley bowl. It was fun. Like last year's Pittsburgh win was, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was just a big mean. It was late in the season. We had our backup goofball quarterback in who somehow got it done. Um, Juju got that big hit, you know, the TikTok guys down. It was just a big mean, but like this year, like it just, it's early enough in the season that it feels legitimate and it feels like something we can build off of. Yes, absolutely. Something you could build off of a 24 to 10 win. I said it before last season that I thought the Steelers would finish last in the division. I think I was a year too early. I was making these jokes. Oh, he's big Ben is big old. He's has been Roethlisberger. And <laughs> they started off last year, 11 and though. I think my prognostications are finally coming to light here. So what went wrong, Jabez? I know the defense was hampered, but it just didn't seem like the Steelers were ever really in this game. Uninspired is, you know, a word I would use to describe them. There wasn't much creativity in our offense. Our defense, obviously, we had, like you said, we were hampered. Uh, we couldn't get to the quarterback, the Bengals, and the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know, something, a positive note I'll take from this is, you know, Najee Harris, he had some drops, but he also made some good plays you know, as effectively as he could and is looking like, you know, he was worth the draft pick spent on him. I have a question. So that's, that's a positive takeaway. I have a question specifically about Najee Harris, Javis, because they did draft him in the first round. And the idea was the Steelers had really no running game last year. So they're going to draft this great running back and he's going to get stuff done. And he, they're giving him the ball a lot at 14 carries, but 40 yards, but they threw the ball to him. 14, 19, he had 19 targets, 14 receptions. So all they're really doing is, is dumping it to him out of the backfield. To me, it seems like. Yeah. And that was working. I mean, it was working very effectively. The issue is our offensive line, you know, isn't creating the holes necessary to run the ball. We're, I think we're still 32nd in the league in rushing. Um, So our rushing hasn't improved. It's rough. It's, it's hard to watch really like our, you know, when our defense is completely healthy, you know, they will be a top three defense in the NFL, but when your offense is like, I'm not exaggerating when I say it's one of the worst offenses I've seen in the NFL in the last few years. So it's tough. It's tough. It doesn't seem like uh, there's like a solid direction that they're trying to go in. And and it's weird because I, you look at the stat line for this game, Joe Burrow, 14 for 18. Then you look at Ben Roethlisberger and he's 38 for 58. (laughs) And it's like, which one is the one coming off of the shoulder surgery? You know, the guy, yeah. the elbow. Yeah. Elbow, yeah. Our fourth and 10 play call towards the end of the game. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, when we were in Bengals territory, close to the end zone, I, I mean, I just, 
I, could, I couldn't believe rough, it. Man. I, I couldn't believe it. I yeah, couldn't let, believe let, what let I was me, watching. Let me set the scene. I really couldn't. The Steelers are down 24-10, which ended up being the final. I think there were like three minutes left at this point. They're yeah. in maybe at the 25 of the Bengals. It's fourth and 10. They threw a swing May have been pass. like the 15. They were within the 15-yard line. Right. Like okay, so they could have got to like the one for a first down. Right. They, exactly. In the red zone. And they threw a swing pass to Najee Harris where he caught the ball either at the line of scrimmage or like a yard behind it. And on the last play of the game, like at least throw the ball into the end zone. It's fourth and 10. You can't be throwing a swing pass. It wasn't even a screen pass. It was just a swing and like, hey, Najee, go get 10 yards. Don't mind these four defenders that are all closing on you. Oh, and the sidelines right there too. It's like, I don't understand what was going on there at all. So that had to be upsetting. Yeah, I felt like our our quarterback and running back were being hung out to dry and I just don't know what the reason for that was. So, you know, Tyler Boyd was saying after the game that he thought Pittsburgh gave up this, the Pittsburgh receivers. I think he called out like Claypool. He said that they were giving up. I don't know if you saw, I didn't watch it all the way through. So did you see anything like that, Javis, from your perspective? Obviously Boyd's Um, trying to like, you know, instigate something, but. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, I don't know, towards the end of the game, I just, I didn't think we saw like the full potential to what the Steelers could have been in that game. And I I mean, it is very upsetting because I don't think we have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, but we look certainly looked like it yesterday. Corey, I'm going to field that question real quick. And like, I'm not saying this to like bum you out, Jay biz, but I I will answer this very honestly. I agree with what he said, because I don't even know if he said that to spark controversy to your point. I think he was just being completely honest because, um, I got on I got on Pittsburgh's Reddit today. Every time the Bengals play somebody, I get on the Bengals Reddit and see what everybody has to say. And then I get on the opponent's Reddit. Win or lose, I like to see what the other team has right. to say about us. And there were some people talking about his comment on there. And the top three comments, all of which had over 100 upvotes, all said, he's not wrong. We did give up. And those were from Pittsburgh fans. And it's funny because, uh, I mean, I'm gonna y'all can't see me, but I'm going to get up and do a demonstration for the podcast here on video. I mean, they would like have the ball, it bounced off their chest and they just do like the jump and like put their hands up. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, it was just like, they were reacting in the way of like a drop ball that you would react to if I was just like throwing with you in the backyard, you know? And it's just like, this is an NFL game. And it was just kind of weird to see from Pittsburgh, you know, especially with what this rivalry has been the last like four decades, you know, (laughs) for these two teams. It was just weird to see it go out like that in Heinz field, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I completely agree. It's maybe it's something maybe it's something where the Steelers, especially the young players, are just so used to winning that yeah. you get a situation like this where like they've been pretty much working the Bengals their entire careers. Like Juju, for example, I know he went out with an injury, I think, in this game. But mm-hmm. like think about up until uh the infamous Corvette Corvette TikTok, up until that point, like he'd kind of had his, you know, had his way with the Bengals because the mm-hmm. Bengals have been for the large part of the last few seasons more of the, you know, the punching bag for the rest of AAC North. So they may have been shocked that they were in that position. Maybe they're coming to the realization that their quarterback is too old to get anything done, <laughs> anything significant at least. I can mm-hmm. see Jay he's thinking of a of an excuse here. Not an excuse, but a, a spin yeah, zone. Yeah, I mean what's the spin zone? The problem is our offensive line and our offensive play calling like those are the problems i mean ben definitely has his limitations but he is smart enough and good enough 
to like still get it done in a capacity. You know, we saw what Peyton Manning was able to do on offense his last year. You know, he could barely throw the ball at that point, but I think it just takes having a good offensive line and having a good game plan around what right. you're good at. Like, for example, you know, look at Chicago right now. You know, they have a bad offensive line and their coach doesn't game plan well um, <laughs> around the, you know, the quarterback that they're playing, you know, so they have a big mess going on up there. I mean, I feel like that's exactly how Pittsburgh looked in the past two weeks. Week one, you know, our offense didn't play great, but they did what they needed to do. You know, we were on the road playing a great team. Our defense, special teams play well. And it kind of masked all these other issues, but we started to see them week two against the Raiders and we really saw it all come to light this week against the Bengals. So I hope that they have a wake up call. You know, I hope they start playing better. We should be getting back Zach Banner soon, starting tackle. He's missed every game since week one last year with an ACL tear. So that definitely will help our line. We lost our starting center rookie Kendrick Green. So who was wearing 53, by the way. That was a bold move yeah. by our rookie to take that number. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. And That's I think unfortunate, that but... the, the, sack, the consecutive games with the sack ends at 75. It's an NFL record of the Steelers ended because of the Bengals. And it's really like a testament to how important T.J. Watt actually is. Because that guy – Yeah, I mean, and Alex Highsmith. Highsmith. Yeah, Highsmith. We were missing yeah, Highsmith him, was too. out as well, which right. helped. <laughs> T.J. Yeah, Watt We're missing Tyson and Lua Lua. Right, that a lot of guys hampered mm-hmm. for sure in the Pittsburgh defense. One, one last thing, a question about Big Ben and kind of like what's been going on. I, I think it probably has to do with the change in offensive coordinator biz, but it seemed like last year the criticism on Big Ben was that he was getting rid of the ball too early and all they were doing was these like five-yard outs or like hitches or slants, and they weren't throwing the ball downfield at all. Now it almost seems like from – I just watched the YouTube highlights and a little bit of the game – seems like he's holding on to the ball too long. And I know part of that is like trying to escape the the pocket that's collapsing because of his line, but he's seen, it's like a throwback to the younger big Ben when he was more agile and shifty and yeah, he could still shake defenders off, but he's not outrunning anybody for sure. So it's almost like he should probably lean more towards the getting rid of the ball early than dancing around in the backfield. Like he was kind of doing on Sunday. Yeah, and it's the same thing as the Raiders game. You know, he's taken way too many hits the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, and it's a combination of our O-line. It's a combination of him holding on to it too long. But it's also a combination of, you know, I don't know if our receivers just aren't being schemed open well enough. There were a couple of times in this game where the Bengals had coverage sacks. And yeah. it, it's a problem when your offensive line, A, isn't that good. Uh, and you have a quarterback who's as old and, let's say, not versatile as Big Ben is you have to be able to scheme to get guys open down the field um, in some capacity. And, right. I, you know, I hope we figure it out and have a yeah. decent year this year and don't come last place in the division, obviously. But if we do, <laughs> I would assume with that high draft pick, we'd be taking a quarterback. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. You might get a, what's it? Spencer, Spencer Rattler is supposed to be the first one to go. You might get that kid from Liberty. Yeah. yeah the Liberty we could get, kid. we could get a, Desmond Ritter, so Desmond Ritter. Oh yeah, the Bearcat. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Real quick, one more question on that topic. I do want to ask. I want to throw this out there before we move on. I know. I'm sorry. We, we one more thing. <laughs> I saw a Twitter comment uh, this week that said, "I just want to get your guys' thoughts on this." It said, "The Steelers still starting Ben at this point reminds me of the New York Giants not 
taking Eli out when he clearly wasn't good at this point. It was just for nostalgia, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what, what do you guys think the line is between like letting the guy who's been there for 15 years play and like moving on? Cause I, I feel like poor Pittsburgh right now, like you guys can't move on. Like, it's like, what are you going to do? Start Dwayne Haskins or Rudolph the rest of the year. It's like you guys are in a tough spot where you can't do that. Whereas like the the Giants in that scenario, they could have thrown Daniel Jones in there, and that's where the criticism's coming from. Where where do you stand on that? Well, they kind of already have seen a little bit from Rudolph in in games over the last couple years. They seen a little bit from Josh Dobbs. Haskins is the really the unknown, but we've seen him for another team. But it's all situational. Mm-hmm. It is situational. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, that was an interesting comment I saw. What do you What do you want them to do, Jabez? If Roethlisberger comes out against the Packers and plays like this again, the stat line doesn't look terrible. It's just like he doesn't look good out there. You know, it really ran through my head today. I mean, if we just start Ben all year and we don't do very well, I mean, it just ups our draft pick. And I hate to yeah. say that because uh, wow. I really I don't want Tomlin to have a losing season. Uh, but it is kind of a catch 22, you know, uh, it's like we could, but there's something about just like pulling him and yeah, really the Colts, a, the Colts had the best situation with Peyton Manning. You know, he exactly. gets hurt for a whole year. They're awful. They get a new quarterback and they let him walk and go do his thing. Patriots try to get ahead of this with Brady, but now you're seeing like, well, obviously Tom Brady's the anomaly. Brady Brady forced their hand, made them deal Garoppolo, and then he bounced out of there shortly after. And it was Stand like back. the contingency plan was ruined. And now Belichick, you know, people criticize him as like, oh, he must not be very good. When it's like he had the plan and his timing was perfect, but his hand got forced. Exactly. So it's interesting. Another thing that's interesting is uh, when Ben inevitably is moved on from, I think we're kind of seeing an end of an era here. Keep, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the the era of the immobile six foot six, 250 pound, big white quarterback is kind of ending. We're, we're, he might be the last of, I mean, you got Ben, you've got the Joe Flacco's, the Phillip Rivers, the Manning brothers of the world. Ben's kind of the last one left of that. Yeah that group. And I think we're, we're seeing a whole new direction in the NFL that I don't know if we'll ever go back to this style of quarterback. What do you guys think about that? Let's see. Yeah. I mean, guys don't have to be super athletic if they are like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. you Mm -hmm. know, like those guys don't have to be super athletic because they are just so good at the game. Right. But yeah, Ben is the kind of guy that his talent relies on being able to shed off hits and sacks and extend the play and mm-hmm. find a guy and cannon the ball down the field. He's not going to make a lot of plays with his legs. He was when he he did more when he was younger. I think but, overall, you know, I think overall the transition to Billy is just that athletes are being allowed to play quarterback more. Because like you look at a guy like Josh Dangerous. Allen, like he he's big. He he like he looks like a quarterback, but he runs and he's quick. And same with Daniel Jones. Those guys maybe. 10, 15 years ago might have been converted to tight ends or quarter yeah. or wide receivers from quarterback in college. But there's still, I mean, there's still some stationary quarterbacks in the league. There's still mm-hmm. your like even younger guys like Sam Darnold isn't exactly the most mobile. Baker Mayfield's athletic. Like Baker Mayfield had a nice spin move this Sunday to get out of a sack, but he's not mm-hmm. burning anybody with speed. But then you look at guys like Derek Carr, uh, Kirk Cousins. 
you know, these are guys that have starting jobs. Jimmy Garoppolo might not have a starting job for long, but they have starting jobs in the NFL. And I mean, they're not exactly the most mobile. I just think that, yeah, I, I just think that there are more mobile quarterbacks in the league than ever because these guys probably weren't forced to get away from, uh, you know, the scrambling tendencies as they were yeah. coming up, like in college or, you know, as rookies in the league. Like, look at Mahomes. Mahomes is an athlete. A quarterback like him, like, we didn't see anybody like that. Like, there was, like, Randall Cunningham, maybe Jim Jim McMahon back in the 80s, 90s, like, you know. But that that style is definitely more prominent now than ever, where even the guys, the baseline for, like, quarterback athleticism is so much higher yeah. now than what it once was. I feel like it's either arm or legs or both at this point. Like, let's be honest. You brought up some names there. Are you scared to play a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins? Are you scared of Jimmy Garoppolo or Andy Dalton? I'm not. If you don't have either, I am not scared of you. And I don't like my defense is going to tear you up on Sunday. And I think we're seeing a, a huge shift where it's either you've got the cannon arm or the legs or both. And a lot of guys nowadays have both. Exactly. I wouldn't be scared of Jimmy Garoppolo the Browns were playing the 49ers I would be scared of Jimmy Garoppolo if I'm at the bar with my wife and he comes in there looking for a date gosh (laughs) can you imagine if him and Nick Boza go in there at the same time it's over it's done I feel like Nick Nick Boza is at a a different kind of bar than Garoppolo but that's you think so (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's at like that (laughs) A-list bar yeah anyways next topic this game big one for Davili sort of underwhelming from a neutral perspective because all the buildup and hype, I wanted to see more hits, more drama, but maybe we'll see that in the rematch on November 28th at Paul Brown Stadium here in Cincinnati. But yeah, moving on to our next game in the AFC North. And and I want to say, Davili, before we get into this Ravens-Lions game, that you should not apologize for diving deeper into this Bengals-Steelers game. Because as we know, when there's an AFC North showdown, there's no, there's no love loss. loss. Exactly. Yes, there's no. Okay, good. So Thank you. There are no words that we want to leave out of these very right. important topics. Same for all when, the points. Yes. Same for when Cleveland plays Pittsburgh and we play each other here soon. Exactly. So it's going to exactly. go the same way. <laughs> okay. These are deep dive topics and we're going to go very deep. Speaking yes. of very deep, Justin Tucker, an NFL record 66 yards through the or off the crossbar into the field goal net for the game winner for the Ravens. And as somebody who has seen Justin Tucker make these game winning kicks against my team, you guys have seen it too. We all kind of knew. I I was thinking he was going to make it as soon as they were like, Oh, 66 yard or Justin Tucker comes out. They're on turf at Ford field. If it was outdoors, there's, I don't think there's any chance, but unless it was in Denver, just because I have seen Justin Tucker do this so much and he is so consistent and yeah, it was an NFL record, 66 yards. But I'm like, oh, it's Justin Tucker. He'll probably make this. Like if it's him, if it's like Butker, Prater tried the 68-yarder, you know, for Arizona. Didn't make that one. But Tucker got it done. He's got onions. That that man is probably like the – if Vinatieri gets like the greatest kicker of all time, Tucker might be the greatest kicker of all time. Like skill-wise. He might. Vinatieri is definitely like a little more clutch in the big moments, but he's because he's been to the big moments. If you put Tucker mm-hmm. in those Super Bowl positions, he's not missing those kicks. We all know that. I agree. My brother has. I think, a I think they're up there as the top two. Jersey. Oh, go ahead, Jamie. Sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, I think they're the best two. Yeah. Ever. 
So you said your brother has a Justin Tucker. My brother is a big Justin Tucker fan. He, like me, appreciates great kickers, and he will get their jerseys sometimes. And he has a <laughs> Justin Tucker Texas Longhorns jersey, which is kind of ball. Wow. Hey, speaking of great Texas kickers, Phil Dawson, the former Brown, actually had a very similar kick to the Tucker one against the Ravens, I believe. I don't remember the year, but there was one to tie the game up and send it into overtime where it bounced off of one of the, I think it was the left crossbar, hit the stanchion that holds up the goalpost. Like, so it like went through the goalpost, bounced off the thing that holds up the goalpost, and bounced mm-hmm. back out. And they initially ruled it no good, so they thought the game was over. And then the, the refs actually reviewed this after the game. Like the players at all went to the locker room to shaking hands. And then they said, wait a second, this kick went in and we're going to overtime. So that's what I, yeah, the first I remember I thought that. Of, I remember that thing, too. I remember that too. I thought of when Justin Tucker made that kick, I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's Phil Dawson. But like Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson on steroids, not saying Justin Tucker is, you know, using PEDs, but you don't really need him. I'm you sure heard it here kid. first on no love lost. Hey, Justin Tucker on PEDs <laughs> making 75. One, he injects them into one leg and one leg only. Exactly. <laughs> So one thing I don't want to lose sight of when it comes to this win for the Ravens is, in my opinion, the Lions have been absolutely hosed by the NFL again. Because if we look at this final drive, I didn't watch a lot of this game, but I did watch the final drive of the Ravens. And for one, I thought Lamar Jackson did an incredible job to not get sacked in bounce on a couple plays but they had a fourth and 19, I believe that they converted. And then after the fourth and 19, they were at the same spot that they ended up kicking the field goal from, but they had one play and they wanted to run a little time off the clock. So Lamar gets the snap and just throws it out of bounds, basically to waste a few seconds. Well, judging by the TV play clock, the one they show on CBS or Fox or whatever it was, there was some people counted up to two seconds that went by from when the play clock hit zero to when the Ravens snapped the ball. So really they should have had a delay a game and that would have been a 71 yard field 71 yards. <laughs> now, judging by what we saw, Tucker would not have had the leg to make 71 because he barely had enough. He had maybe like 66 and one or two inches. And that's what ended up sending it through on the bounce. The Lions have had a track record, though, of just getting absolutely screwed over. Like, there was the – whatever it was, the pad, the roughing the passer against the Packers a few years back on Monday Night Football, and there's just a track record, like the Calvin Johnson incident, track record from the NFL just giving the Lions absolutely no love. And as somebody who always – you know, we all think our team is always slighted. It's all like we're biased and we're going to think we're getting screwed over by the refs. But from a neutral perspective – I feel bad for the Lions. There is yeah, one same. team in the NFL that takes more shit than the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's the, the Detroit Lions. Exactly. At least that's my opinion. I swear I'm not making that up. <laughs> it's it's about big cats, dude. Panthers exactly. are probably number three. Exactly. And the Lions, like, this would have been a huge win for them, too, to beat the Ravens at home. Like, the fans would have went crazy. And the fans did go crazy when the, the ball hit off the um, – like the crossbar initially before it bounced in because those people were thinking it was bouncing off it and bouncing out. And like, that is such a terrible way to lose. Not only do you think you're getting screwed over by the refs, but it's also like, you should have won. 
you're right there. And they shouldn't have even gotten there because they should have stopped on fourth and 19. But then not only is it that, but then you get an NFL record to win the game for the other team. And Oh my gosh. I would be furious. I would be pissing all over floor Ford field. I would be pooping in the sink, washing my hands like that Steelers fan last week. Yep. I would be going crazy. Yeah. And I so I used to live in Michigan and mm-hmm. we were in Northern Michigan. So there are probably more Packers fans than there were Lions fans, but a lot of people were just very apathetic about the NFL and they probably are former Lions fans. And if, if I was one, this would drive me to be uh maybe pretty apathetic or maybe just leave my team altogether. Cause it's just not in the cards for them. Mm-hmm. Ford field, gorgeous stadium, by the way, I'll point that out. I went there once, uh, probably the, my favorite stadium I've ever been to in, in the NFL. I've been to four about to go to my fifth this year. Yeah, Ford field is a hell of a stadium. That's uh the lions have it made. I actually went to Ford field, uh, personal story for Mac you, media day, Mac football mm-hmm. media day. There you go. I got to talk to Kareem hunt there. Talk to uh, Matt Campbell, coach of Iowa State, maybe a future NFL coach. Cream Hunt was at Toledo at the time. Um, I also asked all the players uh, what kind of underwear they wore, boxers or briefs. None of the they all were slandering whitey tighties, which I don't understand. But that's a that's a conversation for a different place at a different time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're comfortable. <laughs> they're super. Keep comfortable. you supported. Yeah, you, you need that brief support. Exactly. Yeah. I'll brief it up sometimes. Fuck yeah. Exactly. You need you need that support. These dudes are out here saying they wear boxers. I bet they meant boxer briefs. I did clarify with some of them they were talking about boxer briefs because if you're wearing boxers, I haven't haven't worn boxers since the sixth grade. Like actual like loose boxers like that. I just can't do it. So I can't either. More like eighth grade. So oh, I can't do boxers. I got to do briefs. Billy, are you riding boxer life over there? Loose. No, not like, no. I don't think no. I own a single pair of, bo- of like actual boxer boxers for real. Exactly. I I don't anymore. We got rid of those a long time ago. But anyways, yes, the the Ravens come from behind in the most uh, improbable fashion to knock off the Lions, nineteen to seventeen. Our next game, my favorite game of the week, the Cleveland Browns, a twenty-six to six victory over the Chicago Bears. And Biz, you touched on the Chicago Bears earlier. It does not look good over there. They started Justin Fields, his uh, first NFL start. And as you kind of alluded to, it does not look like they tried to set him up for success. And this has been a big talking point around kind of the national media. Like, oh, like, were the was Matt Nagy trying to prove a point that Justin Fields wasn't ready? Did he not do everything he could have? Which, if he did that, like, that's so – that's – you should not be the head coach of an NFL team. If you're that petty at the media and the fans for like saying, start this guy, start this guy. It's like, okay, I'm going to start this guy. And I'm going to, I'm going to show them what that I know more than them. You know, either way, I don't think he should have his job because the way I look at it is, yeah, if he's doing that, then okay, you need to move on reset. But also if he just can't, they kept making the point, like he had, you know, 149 days to figure out a game, game plan, plan already. <laughs> around Justin Fields from when they drafted him. And he didn't. Like, he didn't figure one out. He yeah. has not set him up for success. They asked the, you know, fresh out of retirement, Jason Peters, to block guys like Miles Garrett <laughs> uh, and Jadavian Clowney one-on-one for a lot of the game. And 
just doesn't make sense. I, I'd, I'd say the age showed. Yeah, I was listening to uh, the Browns daily radio show, and the guy who does the sideline for the Browns was saying he was watching the Bears come out of the locker room, and he saw Jason Peters, and he said it looked like Jason Peters, like it hurt him to walk. He has all these braces on each knee. Like he's a grizzled NFL vet. This probably is going to be his last year. And we just saw kind of why, like the game is past. Yeah. I mean, like you're a great tackle, but guys like miles Garrett, the, the, how fast they are. A lot of NFL tackles don't stand a chance against that. But if you don't have a quick first step anymore, you're going to get what happened to you on Sunday. And that's miles Garrett, a Cleveland Browns franchise record, 4.5 sacks in the game Clowney did have two himself nice coming out party for the Browns defense overall they had nine sacks total and actually the Bears had a lot of sacks in this game I think they did five sacks for the Bears four sacks so mm-hmm. very defensive heavy ball game here the Browns limited the Bears to I want to say of total offense it was one net yes. passing yard yes. the Browns limited the Bears offense to 47 total yards much of that coming on the ground. The Jabez just said it one net passing yard for the Chicago Bears because in the NFL, sometimes they take away, if you're looking at net passing yards, they take away the yards for lost on sacks. So Fields had 68 yards passing, 67 yards sacked. So one yard net passing for the Chicago Bears. The only reason they got any points on the Browns was because of a uh, time early in the first quarter where the Browns turn the ball over on downs around midfield and they ended up getting a field goal out of it. And then the other field goal came after a, you know, very generous pass interference call on John Johnson, the third, where it was basically like a third and 10. They just kind of threw it up there and it was picked off like inside the Browns 10. So it would have been a nice punt, but they got the flag somehow. And then they got a field goal out of that one. Just overall never in doubt for the Browns. And they were wearing the beautiful, 1946 throwback uniforms oh with the drop shadow numbers the little orange trim on the brown numbers looking beautiful and before this game before the season really i was looking at these uniforms thinking i need to get one it's time for me to finally get a new jersey i haven't gotten a new jersey since josh cribs it's finally time for josh cribs exactly what a throwback finally a time for me to get a new jersey maybe i get that baker in the throwback uniform maybe i get that jarvis landry Love Jarvis Landry, team leader. Should be a Brown for his career, but, well, Jarvis Landry didn't play in this game, and you know who did? Miles Garrett. So when I think of this uniform now, I'm going to think of Miles Garrett and his four-and-a-half sacks. So maybe I should get the Miles Garrett uniform. For sure. Who knows? I who think knows? that's who you should go with. Yeah, I think I th- so. I think T.J. Watt's going to be mine. T.J. Watt for you. What would you get, Davila? Are you going to get the, the Burrow or the Chase if you could? <sighs> It's funny you say that. I'm thinking about maybe getting a T Higgins, but I'm waiting to see if he actually switches his number next year from 85 to five, because he said he's going to do that mm-hmm. once like the, cause you know, they have to like buy back their jerseys if they switch this switch this year. Right. He's saying he's going to do it next year, but we'll see. So right. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. give it one more season. Then I think I'm going to commit and get a, uh, probably get an orange banger, maybe a white. We'll see. Yeah. But Hey, I want to throw out something real quick to you guys. Cause we were talking about defensive ends a second ago. I saw an article a couple of weeks ago talking about how there is a huge disparity of talent at defensive end versus like offensive tackle. Nowadays, mm-hmm. these edge rushers coming out the last five drafts, and it's going to continue through the future are just so elite 
and I'm sure you guys notice every year, um, what are the top picks in the draft? Top 10 picks. It's a couple quarterbacks, a couple defensive ends, then a couple tackles, and then maybe a cornerback or two, maybe a wide receiver or two. Um, but what this article, I, I wish I remember who wrote it. It was some Bengals beat writer, but he was saying how uh, the disparity in talent we're seeing is like, there are too many edge rushers for the amount of talented tackles in the NFL to handle. In the same way that we saw like in the 80s, there were just so many good running backs in the 80s that these linebackers just couldn't handle it. That's why you had all these big name running backs coming out in that era. Do you guys think having like a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt is like truly going to like help you win that extra game or that extra playoff game or that extra regular season game that's going to get you to the playoffs? Do you think it matters that much? Because I would argue maybe it does in this modern era of NFL. I think so, because even in games where they don't have nine team sacks and are wreaking havoc in the backfield, they could still come up very clutch. Like in the Browns Chiefs game in week one, the Browns had a chance to get it done at the end of the game because Miles Garrett had a crucial sack. Yes. On a third down. And not always are these guys going to have, you know, breakout games with multiple sacks, but they will come up in a moment when you need it. Think about the, uh, the Super Bowl. I think very specifically about Von Miller. Yeah, Von Miller on Cam Newton, or you think about the Eagles defensive line is probably the reason they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I can remember Brandon Graham getting some crucial sacks on Tom Brady, and Chris Long was on that team too. So it really does make a difference. And I don't know about the uh, how, how to fix the talent gap, because if I was a super freak athlete, I know I would want to play defensive end more than yeah. left tackle. And it's one of those things where it's like, does the talent gap need to be fixed? Or is that just today's game? Like yeah. not to jump sports, but like in the NBA, there's more three pointers than norm than there's ever been in the history of the game. Does that need to be fixed? Or is that just how it is now? I would argue that that's just how it is now. Deal with it. If you're a coach or a GM, you it know, really, it really makes the importance of having a guy like, uh, like Vina Weva, if you're Jay biz or Joe yeah. Thomas, you know, or Willie Anderson or Andrew Whitworth for the Bengals, like mm -hmm. you could secure that, that left tackle, that right tackle, that's going to be with you guys for a decade or more. That is so crucial because not mm -hmm. every team has that. And it seems like it's, it's either the have or the have nots. The teams that don't have those kind of guys usually have crappy offensive lines. Yeah. And then that Trent, Trent Williams. Exactly. You know, he's the best tackling the league and you know san francisco gave up picks to trade for him and then just gave him a massive massive contract exactly. uh but i mean this week you saw it there was that play that uh you know there was that play that they scored a touchdown on and he you know right there in front of everyone like pancake mauled that, that guy uh, yeah, yeah like did. five yards and it like, is it right just showed, trey, trey lance ran the touchdown in on that play and it just shows like, okay, yeah, that's why he makes the most money out of any lineman ever. Exactly. And I think we're all hoping, I'm hoping Jed Wills, Jedrick Wills is that guy for the Browns for years to come. He's looking all right in year two here. He's been a little injury prone late though. Definitely uh, yeah. a little different than Joe Thomas, the guy who's been out there for literally every snap of his career. Appreciate you bringing that up, Davili. It's definitely an interesting talent gap there. Interesting also, to think about. When you think about uh, beat writers in general, I got to say, I think the Bengals have one of the, I've not read a lot of his stuff, but Ben Baby, great ben name. Baby, great Tyler name. Dragon. Tyler Dragon, <laughs> exactly. The Bengals easily have Fire. some of the best guys. But I, that's what I'm going to for my content, the 
baby or yeah. dragon or they could they maybe they combine for an article some sort of fusion between espn and whoever dragon works for and you get the baby dragon coverage yeah baby that, dragon they need a podcast right. they're exactly. not on that little, they're not on that no love loss grind exactly uh sh- <laughs> shout out to ben baby shout out to tyler dragon shout out to all the the journalists out there you know as a, as a former journalist myself Shout out to you guys for putting the real work in out here in the locker room, in the trenches, in the editing room, on your laptops, getting that done. So shout out y'all. That was a good reporter accent though, right there. That was pretty nice. Well, when you're on the news, Davili, you have to talk like this because when news is important, you have to enunciate the truth. When you want what's important tonight, trust channel nine as your source. Exactly. I don't know. I've always wanted to be one of those guys. Exactly. (laughs) I always wanted to be one of those guys who just did a uh, quick voiceover work. Yeah. Like not, not extended stuff, not talking like this. I just always wanted to be the guys that does like a Q one. Oh, two. Cincinnati. <laughs> exactly. Or like W K R Q. ESPN 1530. Right, dude. If I was the, if I was doing the, Q102 shit, I would demand a hundred grand on my check because you know that's getting played for the next 20 years. You know they're not hiring someone new until 2035 to redo that. Give me those royalties, baby. Yes. I need the royalties. Speaking of royalty, our king of the north, I nominated somebody, Miles Garrett, you know, with the with the breakthrough game for the Browns, now leading the NFL in sacks at 5.5 sacks. But I think we can all agree for his heroics in Detroit, Justin Tucker the true king of the north this week hopefully the uh the king of the north curse does not live on with him i've never really seen a lot of kickers get hurt uh but knock on wood over here shout out to you justin keep singing your opera keep booting those kicks keep maybe doing steroids in one leg one leg only working for you for sure so congratulations justin tucker the king of the north which brings us to our next segment the fan favorite everybody loves it it's dick of the week guys our dick of the week today is Dick Jerron. Oh I don't know if you guys remember Dick Jerron. He was a coach, head coach in the league for a little bit in the early 2000s with the Bears. And he was an interim coach with the Lions and again with the Buffalo Bills from 2006 to 2009. Probably some irrelevant years from that franchise, maybe the Marshawn Lynch. Rough years for Buffalo, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so Dick Jerron did not have great success as a coach but he did have some success as a player he played for the lions from 73 to 77 but then he played for the cincinnati Bengals from 1978 to 1980 he is a uh, pro bowler in 74 for the lions but also what i just learned about dick Duran here he went to yale he's an ivy leaguer he was a three-time all ivy league selection all ivy league first team at yale before he got drafted in the fourth round by the Lions in 1973. I don't know if there were more Ivy Leaguers in the league back then. I know there were a lot more guys, it seemed like, that came from smaller, like, D2-type schools. Yeah. But shout-out Dick Duran. You, you, you won, buddy. Dick Duran, Dick of the Week. And also, Dick Duran, shout-out Coach of the Year, something I'm quite familiar with as a Cleveland and Browns and Kevin Stefanski fan. AP Coach of the Year in 2001 for when he led the Bears to a 13-3 and record. For the life of me, I couldn't tell you who was on the Bears at that time. My NFL coverage wasn't really what it is now when I was six years old in 2001. But shout-out to you, Dick, Dick Duran. <laughs> you did it. You're our Dick of the Week. Yes, he is. 
And Dick Duran and any other Dick listening this week or last or in the future, we would love to have you on the show. Please, please uh, DM our Twitter account and we can make it happen. Absolutely. At No Love Lost NFL. If you know a Dick close to you that is worthy of being the Dick of the Week for their impact in football or elsewhere, please reach out to us. We would love to celebrate them as our Dick of the Week. But yes, looking forward to week four now, Davili. You talked about it earlier. You got the Jaguars on Thursday night. I kind of like these Thursday night games. They're not exactly great for your team or your players, but to get your game as a fan out of the way and then have like a, a nice free Sunday and stress-free Sunday, it's kind of nice. So, you know, facing Urban Meyer, the Cincinnatian himself, St. Xavier High School, University of Cincinnati graduate, and we disavow the Ohio State Buckeyes here. I kind of disavow Urban Meyer as a whole myself, but it's got to be nice to, you know, cheer on your team and hoping they get to make him look stupid on the sideline again. So what are you expecting in this one, Davili? I am expecting a Bengals win in the same way I expected us to beat Minnesota, which happened. I expected us to beat Chicago, which did not happen. (laughs) And I was hoping for a win against Pittsburgh. That's relevant. But uh, I am expecting a win against 0-3 Jacksonville. Um, Yeah. It's a home game. It's Thursday night. We've got a lot of momentum going in considering what happened a couple of days ago. This is one of those games I really wish I was in the city for because like my brother's going, a bunch of people I know are going to this. It's going to be real fun. It's going to be fun to see Trevor Lawrence regardless of what happens. But uh, long story short, if we come up with an L this week, I'm going to be very upset. To your point or earlier though, it is really nice when uh, you've got that Sunday off during the NFL season. I won't say it's nice. Like I love my Sunday football. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah. It's weird. I know that like Thursday, like a lot would argue that it's bad for football. It's bad for these players who have to turn around and like, you know, 96 hours later, play a full contact game again. It's not so great for their health, especially we've got a couple guys on the injury report, but uh, yeah, it'll hit 105 PM on Sunday. And I'll be like, well, I guess I'll grocery shop. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's you like, can, what do I you do? Casually, you can casually watch Red Zone, you know. It, it, you you know, can. You watch Red, Zone, you watch Red Zone, you'll be like, oh, I guess this. But maybe you get some other stuff done around your Yeah, house or, or you'll just be like, you'll just see some random game on. You'll be like, shit, I guess this Cleveland-Seattle game is kind of good. They're down to touchdown. I'll throw it on. You know, it's it's just exactly. you have no stake in every, anything. You can kill a sixer and just have fun doing it and not be stressed, especially you if your team gets the win on Thursday. Yeah, otherwise you're going to be living with this uh, sorrow for, for three more days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Davili, this podcast will likely be, be released like maybe a day before the game, if that. So anybody yes. listening to this right now, Davili probably looks very dumb. You probably already know what happened. So exactly. hopefully you're with me and not against me. Exactly. And, J-Biz, you talked about the uh, Steelers facing the Packers Packers kind of a interesting team because you know they suffered in, in week one but they've come on pretty strong in the last couple of weeks most notably the the come from behind uh or I don't know if it was a come from behind but the most notably the game winner against the Niners by Mason Crosby after a nice Aaron Rodgers comeback this past Sunday so Davis, I mean is, is this going to be the one that like kind of makes or breaks the season like how this game goes if they look like crap are you just going to, like, throw in the terrible towel? I'll say this. If we beat the Packers, I will have hope. If we put up a good fight against the Packers, I'll have hope. If we go out there and get blown out, then I'll know, yeah, this season's probably over. 
Are y'all um, home or away? We are at Green Bay. It's a 425 game. Ooh. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> my, my Browns headed to Minnesota. The return of Kevin Stefanski to the Minnesota Vikings. He was there That's his right. entire tenure as an NFL coach prior to joining the Browns as, as the head coach. So he kind of worked his way up from the trenches there. Started off as like a, a you know film guy and worked his way all the way up to offensive coordinator. I bet if I were a Vikings fan, I kind of would wish I had him over Zimmer now because as we see with Zimmer's kind of just his age in general, he may not have a lot of years left. So they kind of fumbled the bag on that one. But thank you, yeah. Minnesota. The same the same way as when Zimmer left the Bengals and went to the Vikings, a lot of Bengals fans were wishing that Zimmer was retained as head coach. Exactly. Um, I was so. very much wishing that at the time, but in hindsight, that's okay that he went yeah. to Minnesota. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> They're in the exact opposite situation. Now that know, I have five-year clarity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it will definitely be interesting to see this Browns defense after facing uh, essentially not a lot of competition from the bears on Sunday to see them go against a very high powered offense with Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin cook and mm-hmm. our favorite, you know, Kirk cousins and say what we will about him when he, when he's on, he has all those weapons. It can be a little scary. So I'll, I'll be looking out for that, but I'll be looking out for you guys as well. You know, best of luck to your teams as always, you know, not really the best of luck because there's no love lost here. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North Roundtable. If you like us, well, obviously you do here at this point in the episode, so subscribe to us. Please leave us a review, five stars if you like us, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Love Lost NFL. See you soon. You know what's funny is I was going to um, when I initially was thinking of like the no love lost like intro, I started off like singing it in my head, I, yeah. and I was thinking like, damn, we're we like we can do something real funny with this. We can make like a like it'll be like a like the three of us in a choir, but like recording our voices over and over again. Where it's that just, would like, be really funny where, for next season. <laughs> where it's just like it's no love lost. No love it's no love lost. And then like maybe coming in the background, it's no love, 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 it's no love. And then like, right, we might no have to love. we might have to do that. No love. <laughs> like some shit like that. I don't know. Like yeah. it'd be so ridiculous. Like it would no be out of like Right. She'll be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, go away. Like, You're saying, it's no love, it's no love, it's no love, it's no love, it's no love. So I thought yeah, about doing that, but so that's where like the ba-ba-na-na, ba-ba-na-na, like that's where it comes from. Oh, <laughs> I love it. So I love it. Maybe someday we'll we'll include that for the for the people.